Hello and welcome to SEO 101 on WMR.FM, episode number 453. This is Ross Dunn, CEO of Stepforth Web Marketing, and my co-host is my company senior SEO, Scott Vanak. Well, we're cooking on this island, eh? Beautiful weather. It's super hot and beautiful, and I'm not complaining because I complained a lot, not on the show, but complained a lot about the cold all winter. So I'm just going to take the sweaty heat and enjoy it or keep my mouth shut. We're not like Texas and any of our poor listeners out that way or Arizona. And I think it was Arizona I read last. It's just been obscene. And some people have lost their air conditioners have broken down. It's so hot. I can't even trying to survive that. Anywho, uh, it's summer and I hope all is well and you guys aren't choking on smoke. It's just been a tough one for that. Let's get down to it. So we have we're starting off right into the SEO news with another Google update coming. What's a shock? You know, we got to start things off with our regular. So, Phil. <laughs> yeah, so it's uh, there there've been a lot of unconfirmed updates over the past few months anyways. Like we're talking about on every show that hey, it's all this turbulence and everything's volatile. There must be an update and then silence crickets. There's there's no, nothing confirmed at all. And the last one was back in April with the April reviews update. There was a core update before that in March. Well, uh, Christine, I don't know who her name is, Christine. I don't know more about her. Asked John via Twitter, are you guys going to run any updates this summer? Because I really, really need one. And his response was, I'm sure we'll have some cue the countdown music. So mm-hmm. does this mean we're maybe getting a core update coming soon? Maybe in August? Um, I don't know. There was a lot of... Um, chatter just a few days ago actually or no not a few days ago uh, a week ago or so shortly before this uh and it looked like there was an update again and nothing was confirmed and then a couple days later john says well there might be one coming so i don't know i don't know what's going on maybe they're going back to their hidden days of no transparency or something but uh who knows they probably don't have anything like formally scheduled and they don't like to talk about sometimes too it's uh knowing Based on what we've seen so far from John, it's it's more like, yeah, there'll be something. Yeah, so <laughs> so look out for it. Something something big, probably a core update in August or maybe early September would be my guess. But uh, who knows? Time will tell. All right. So one of the things we talked a lot about, as I'm sure everyone else has experienced online, is AI content. Um, now, we've been saying um, ad nauseum to the last few shows that AI content is perfectly fine. It's ensuring that you create the content and using AI, but also add your own expertise and add value to it and make sure it's helpful. Well, it's nice to see that that's been established again here. Uh, Danny Sullivan debunked uh, Vox Media's claim that AI content is currently, quote, well-received by search engines by default. Hmm. Now, that's a pretty bold statement, and I don't think they really thought that through because AI content can be crap. So I'm sure Google wouldn't automatically give it a bonus because it's AI content. Um, <laughs> could you imagine? Use AI and you get a ranking bonus. From AI. I, yeah, could, could you imagine? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Deep Mind likes its own. Um, well, uh, Danny went on to clarify what's logical. And that is that uh, Google doesn't care if AI or a person created the content. It's just that it is helpful. And that's great. I love that. And it's, again, logical. I love when Google's logical. Most of the time, it's based on that. But, you know, there's just sometimes we've covered before where it's just like, what the F? 
Anyways, this is good. Uh, Danny does refer to a Google guidance article on AI content, which we've got a link for in our show notes coming up. Uh, again, I mentioned the last show, there's gonna be a big revamp to our show notes. I'm just finishing off the process for that to hand off to my uh, assistant who handles that. So hopefully we'll have the new uh, show notes out very soon, which will include that link. Now, what's going on with the Google Search Console? Uh, yeah, so uh, Barry had actually reported uh, recently that the number of inbound links to your site, as reported by Google Search Console, has been dropping drastically over the years. And even recently, he said that uh, the number of links reported by Search Console have been cut in half for him. Um, you know, if we go back to 2018, they've been uh, cut by 90%. They're showing 10% of the links and they just keep getting cut and cut and cut. And the reason I bring this up is I don't know how many listeners rely on Google Search Console for their inbound linking data. Um, I really don't use it much at all. Uh, sometimes I'll check there if I'm troubleshooting something or what have you. But the other tools out there just do such a better job of identifying what links you actually have, uh, like SEMrush, Majestic, Ahrefs, what have you. Um, and it's interesting that Search Console would be cutting them back so, so much. Uh, John Mueller has noted that, uh, you know, they're just not focusing much on that anymore. So I don't know what that means. Um, Google still cares about links, obviously, but they're just making it harder and harder for you to see what inbound links you have without third-party tools. Google's a bit schizophrenic. It's all over the place. Who knows? Next next month, they might implement a tool that's great for links. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> yeah, no, no kidding, right? It doesn't make any sense. Um, that's where the logic falls apart. But yeah, I mean, SEMrush, Majestic, Ahrefs, like you said, great. And if you're doing a really, um, like, intense competitor analysis or your own analysis, don't use just one, use multiple because they can only, they all have their own indexes and there's such a big internet out there that they can only scour one part of the internet at what it turns out to be a portion of it. So by combining the, th the three data points and then filtering out duplicates, you'll get a much better result. Uh, so keep that in mind. It's not easy because they have both different systems, but then you'll get different columns and blah, 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 and all that stuff within uh, this your spreadsheets but it can be done and it is much cleaner uh, and you'll get a lot more out of it all right now there is a new indexing bug uh i didn't break this one so fill us in yeah yeah so of course there's always a bug we always talk about bugs lately um google actually acknowledged on uh, july i think it was july 10th that there was an issue with google news and indexing google news stuff uh sites uh, the bug actually lasted three weeks from June 21st to July 12th. So if your site relies on a lot of Google news traffic, you may have seen a big drop in numbers during that time. So if you do see that drop, don't panic. It was a bug on Google's part. Um, hopefully you didn't panic at the time and start changing your site around and, and react, which actually is a good reminder. Never do that. If you see your rankings plummet, don't react too quickly because sometimes they are bugs. Mm -hmm. It bugs happen even in the regular organic SEO. And then if you react to it and then they fix the bug, now you're in trouble. You gotta you can maybe just roll it back, or who knows, I guess, depending on what you do. Um, yeah, Google noticed on July 10th. So that's you know, almost three full weeks after the bug, they actually discovered it and implemented a fix a couple of days later. So that seems like a long time for a bug to be active two weeks before they uh, discover it. But you, th you think that 
it was pretty big. It sounds like it sounds like a lot of sites were affected, but I think... yeah, I can't even fathom what they have to deal with there. <laughs> I guess, yeah, I guess their dockets are pretty busy, you know. Well, and how much data do you need before you detect a bug? It's hard to say. I mean, I'm sure they're always getting people saying, "There's a bug. There's a bug. There's a bug." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, fair enough. <laughs> I don't know. It, I would love to know how they do it. It'd be fascinating. Uh, that's where like tours of Google would be just the coolest, just to learn that stuff. They don't have to give away SEO secrets. I'm just fascinated with how they manage all that yeah. information. It'd be so cool. Well, um, we're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we're going to talk about uh, the related search operator, WordPress 6.3, a whole bunch of stuff. So talk soon. SEO 101 will be back right after recess. Welcome back to SEO 101 on WMR.FM, hosted by myself, Ross Dunn, CEO of Stepforth Web Marketing, and my company senior SEO, Scott Vanak. All right, so Google has confirmed the related search operator is going away. Now, what did it do? Uh, the related search operator was designed to show websites that were related to your entered URL. Or So uh, what's related to stepforth.com or what's related to... Uh, globeandmail.com or whatever. And it was very simple. It just used, uh, you just put related with a colon before your website address with, you know, the full HTTPS colon slash slash your address. Um, and it would, it was, you know, we used it a fair bit uh, back in the day. I'm not sure. Have you used it recently at all, Scott? I haven't. Recently, no, I actually had to look it up again. It's been so long since I've used it. I remember we so. used it with competitor analysis. We used it for um, just general research, but I can't remember how long ago it's been since I used it. It all kind of blurs. Anyway, why is it going away? Well, Benny says, uh, quote, it hasn't really worked that well for some time, as in some cases, the information was dated, unquote. Uh, he went on to say that it's rarely used anyways, but that potentially we might revisit another way to show this type of info in the future. It's a quote there. So who, who knows? Again, uh, we might have the best solution coming. Who knows? Uh, I, these days, there's actual sites devoted to related content. So you can say, uh, relate, relate to this website, and you all of a sudden get this list of sites that say, other sites related to... <laughs> It's, it's just crazy. There's tons of stuff out there. So I guess it's not a big urgent thing. And they probably are see that being fulfilled by other people. Yeah. All right. What's going on with WordPress? Yeah, so this is kind of fun. Um, next August, next August, sorry, upcoming August in a few weeks, <laughs> not 2024, 2023, August. Uh, WordPress 6.3 is going to work to help improve LCP scores, largest content full paint. So this is related to Core Web Vitals. Uh, we've definitely talked a lot about Core Web Vitals in the past, and we probably will talk more in the future. Um, but if you're not sure what is LCP, it stands for Largest Content Full Paint. It is, and this is a direct quote from web.dev, which has a bunch of stuff on Core Web Vitals. Uh, it is one of the three Core Web Vitals metrics, and it represents how quickly the main content of a web page is loaded. Specifically, LCP measures the time from when the user initiates loading the page until the largest image or text block is rendered within the viewport. So a little bit technical, but that's what it is. Um, and it affects your Core Web Vitals scores and indirectly also affects your search rankings. Uh, not a huge, huge factor at this point, but it, it is a factor and it will continue to grow, I'm sure. 
uh, version 6.3 scheduled for August will incorporate this. So you can expect, well, maybe your rankings won't go up because so many sites are WordPress. It's going to be kind of a, an even thing across everybody. But, you know, anything that speeds up your site without you having to do anything is good. Uh, it will also, if you have custom stuff going on in your WordPress site and you're worried that this will break your customization, uh, they do note, WordPress notes that version 6.3 will not override related custom optimization. So I don't know how they can do that for sure, but uh, they say that you don't have to worry about it. So if you have a really good programmer or you are a good programmer and you've been in there and really working hard for top core Web Vital scores, this should not make it worse. If it does, hey, write us on our Facebook group. I want to hear about it because uh, that would be definitely interesting to talk about that if it breaks things for you. So. Yeah, I would imagine, I mean, you were saying it could probably just happen to everyone across the board or help, but I'm not sure it would. I, I think, I wonder if it only really helps if you're using Gutenberg, their own built-in editor, mm. or maybe it helps you more with that, but some of the changes will help some of the underlying issues that that disrupt largest contentful paint for any website, which I think I'd actually probably lean towards because there's always little things about WordPress that are annoying that hopefully will be corrected here, no matter what theme or uh, infrastructure you're using within it. That's interesting. That's good. Well, I, I also saw something just the corner of my eye, I think yesterday about it per, actually overhauling the the look and feel of WordPress too in this latest update. So we'll see whether that's oh, the case or not. Hopefully that's uh... too dramatic. I don't like dramatic interface changes. It drives me insane. Yeah. I hate it. So hopefully they do a good job and I don't hate it. So not, not that they care about me. Every time I think about that, I think of uh, MailChimp. Anyone else who uses MailChimp may understand. It is so annoying. They just change things all the time in there. And it's already not the most intuitive system. But when they change it, it's it's nightmarish. Yeah. <laughs> You just want to get in there and do your thing, and get out. It's not something you want to spend a lot of time on. Sorry, Melchamp, but no, we just want to get our newsletter done and out. Anyway, drives me crazy. Okay, so um, on the on the whole thought process of web performance guidelines, uh, believe it or not, the Washington Post has shared their own SEO guidelines, which is really cool. I, I gotta say, I was nerding out a bit on it. Um, this is an article from Search Engine Land, and uh, they're subtitle for this is proven strategies and guidelines for optimizing web performance and search engine optimization. Now, why did they do this? Well, quote, we identified a need, we identified a need for a web performance and SEO engineering team to build technical solutions to support the discovery of our journalism. As the majority of news consumers today read the news digitally without proper SEO and web performance, our stories aren't as accessible to our readers. According to Arturo Silva, engineering lead, unquote. Well, duh. <laughs> Glad they posted that. That that you know, that's the reason they should have done it a long time ago. But uh it looks like it was actually uploaded on May 31st, but they're officially announcing it now. Um we have a link to the guidelines. What I loved about them um was they're really comprehensive. It's all the way down to how an icon should be placed in and and all the considerations for accessibility, which for those who don't know, it's for for the blind, anyone else who might be uh, disabled and want to use the internet, how to make your website work. It's almost a guide for designers. Um, yes, it's specifically for 
the the concepts within WashingtonPost.com, but a lot can be learned from it. And I, I'm I'm pretty I think it's pretty cool, uh, and I, I I can't believe how big it is. It's very comprehensive. Uh, a beloved John Carcutt would have had a field day. He would have loved this, and I would love to have heard what he thought of it. Because um, of course, it's it's meant for news organizations, and he did run um, do all the SEO for the news for the Condé Nast brand, and, and uh, would have been pretty interesting to see what he said there. All right, uh, some of the resource links at the bottom that they used to uh, create this resource, um, they gave credit to Google, Moz, Yoast, Backlinko, and Ahrefs. So some pretty great ones, and they got links. Those buggers, lucky guys. Not that they don't deserve them, but pretty impressive. Uh, and uh, it just goes to show they did a lot of homework for this, which is good on them. This is a good reminder of why you create the best content possible, because sometimes you get links like this without trying. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and can't say enough. If you've got a bit of a, the nerd in you and, and you want to look at this, it's pretty cool. They've, you won't even, even people who don't really understand it will look and go, wow, these guys really outlined everything. And it's good for a design you know, for the internal design group to always have this manual. It's essentially their design manual for managing their site. The fact that they made it public is extra cool. Okay, what is going on with a poll that Joe Hall posted? Yeah, so uh, uh, Barry posted over to SE Roundtable about a poll that Joe Hall posted in Twitter asking, uh, how do you typically handle category and tag archive pages for SEO? And it kind of bugged me, and I'll tell you why in a sec. So he had a little over a 1,000 responses. Uh, the majority of people said they no-index them. Uh, that's at 37%. 11% use a canonical tag to the root. 23% uh, turn it into a landing page. And 28% do nothing. And the reason this bugs me is because there was no entry for it depends. And <laughs> it really, it depends. Like, yeah. uh, so so what do I do? Um I, I do all and none of the above. Um, it really, it depends. So, it, you know, often I'll keep categories and no index the tag pages. Uh, often the tag or the, often the tag pages don't have a lot of uh, blog posts associated with each of them. I've noticed a lot of clients that come to us overuse tag pages. They'll come. I had one, I think they had like a thousand different tags. Every post had 20 different tags and they were never used more than once. So what you end up doing using them incorrectly is you create an untold number of thin pages that are completely useless, right? So if I see situations like that, I'll know index of tag pages. Category pages, people generally by default do a better job of using them. Um, you know, it's like a higher level tag, essentially. Uh, so generally category pages, I keep those indexed. I have seen situations where I don't. Um, but it, yeah, again, it depends on the amount of use each tag and category gets. So for example, if there's too much use of a single category or a tag, uh, it can create duplicate content on those pages, right? You end up with 10 pages, 10 different tags showing the 10 same blog posts. Well, what's the point of that? It doesn't matter. So in that case, we'll probably block them. Um, the same is true if you don't have enough content. If you have one tag or one category for every page and you're not duplicating them with other categories or tags or sorry, other blog posts, you end up with a bunch of thin content where you just have, you know, one blog post showing on each category tag. So in that case, block those as well. So then it comes down to if they're being used well, if you have a good assortment of highly relevant posts under each category or tag, then you probably want them indexed. 
uh, more, more often than not categories I find are good. They're good to keep up tags. Rarely do I see tags being used in such a way that they're worth keeping. So uh, yeah, it just, it depends. Like look at them. Do you think the category page makes sense to have it? Um, and sometimes you might want to turn it into a landing page. You might want to add more content that's, that's sticky on that page or, or call to action, depending on how you're utilizing those category pages. Often people will use them as a top level menu items on their site, depending on how they're utilizing their blog. That's not just a straight blog. Maybe they're talking about, you know, their, their service pages or their or product pages are being put up as blog posts and then they're organizing them through categories. I see that a lot and there's nothing wrong with that. But as a default rule, if you know, index them, that's kind of a problem, right? So um, <laughs> don't just go into your Yoast settings and say, oh, category pages, no index, be, unless you know for a fact that you need to make sure you you look at your site. You probably know, but some people might not know that they're going to see this poll. Oh, they should be no indexed and not understand how their designer built the site. They automatically block it. And then they come to us wondering why they don't rank. And well, you just got to, you got to click that button right there. And uh, suddenly you'll start ranking again. That'll be 62 hours consulting, please. No, I, I wouldn't do that. But well, one of the things we've run in, we have run into in the past. I know it's less common now because thankfully it's not defaulted anymore but you could have the entire post show up mm, in, yeah in these these category pages instead of just a snippet that leads to the main content and that was a nightmare for duplication i still see it but mostly with outdated sites correct me if i'm wrong but when wordpress is loaded now i think by default it only shows a snippet right well yeah i don't i haven't seen when doing an audit or anything i haven't seen the full post showing up in ages yeah. i do run across it in life sometimes and and it does happen but it's pretty rare it's to the point now when i do an audit that's not even something i check for anymore no because you know, it just doesn't if i see it i'll report on it but it you know and i'll have the read more you need to have the read more learn whatever but it just doesn't really happen anymore wordpress fixes it for us yeah within the last year i know i've run into it um I, again it's usually outdated sites but we get a lot of outdated sites coming to us. Yep. People with outdated sites that need help. Those are fun though. They are. You know, you know, I there's there's the challenge of doing an audit on a site that's virtually perfect. And there's a fun aspect to that. And it's hard because you're you're trying to find things that are wrong and there might not be much. But when you find a site that's a complete nightmare, those are great. You start writing, oh well now this is broken, but you get lost in it because there's so many things. And uh, you know, they're using like WordPress 2.7 or something. What are you doing? And it's just everything is wrong. Yeah, I love those. The way they weren't hacked, they are still. <laughs> oh, I love it. Um, yeah. But we don't get, well, the ones that are that bad, we don't get that often. But sometimes I, it's great. This is the best. Yeah, for sure. If your site sucks, please send it to us. I want to help because that's the most it fun. Is, it is the most fun. And we get, we get the best kick out of it because we get to see the results. And it just, it's amazing how much well, better a website performs after that kind of touch has been applied. That's another reason they're awesome. Yeah, because it's you have the biggest impact. If you pick a site that's, you know, number two for everything, moving the needle is hard. Well, almost always hard, but not always, always. But a site that's a disaster, oh, you don't have to do much. And it, it makes a huge difference. Huge. Especially if they're, if they're even ranking then. So you yeah. have like a you know, top 10 or let's say 18th position and their site's crap because of these issues and we can fix them easily almost 90 percent of the time they're moving up into the top 10 um whatever that looks like these days of course uh being that everything is 
infinite scroll now, but just the same, near yeah. the top of the rankings. Um, it's, it's astonishing. And then if you add schema markup and all these other things that we'd like to add, you can get other types of listings that are just amazing. Uh, uh, knowledge panel showing up into uh, people also ask a whole bunch of neat stuff. So it is really awesome. I already jumped into one thing that's one of my favorite topics about is uh, how to respond to negative reviews. And you you posted this here. It's a article from Search Engine Land. And Anthony Will uh, published this article addressing how to respond to negative reviews. Uh, just uh, from a pure point by form list, uh, first be professional, personalize it, respond quickly, show empathy. There's a big one. Offer solutions, highlight the positive and follow up. So those are sort of, that's the short Coles notes version of what he has there. What it comes down to is if you've got a negative review on your Google business uh, listing, Yelp or wherever, and you have the opportunity to reply, which you do in Google at least, um, make sure to take it offline. Just say, hey, I really, you know, it, depending on what it is, it, there's a ton of different ways. It's the old, it depends, but there's a ton of different ways people could be attacking you or literally have a, a, a legitimate uh, complaint. If it's legitimate, just say, hey, you know, really sorry. We didn't, you know, we strive to do better. We would love to speak with you. Uh, we want to, we want to uh, correct this grievance and make you a happy person, whatever. <laughs> Please contact us here. Do not continue the conversation there. Uh, it is lethal to do that. Um, but just by responding, you're showing people you care, that you do have empathy, that you want to help these people out. And no one else cares at that point. As long as they see there's a response and that you're you're alive, you're well, you care, they're in. People will almost negate that negative review, um, depending, of course, the content. But And if it's content that has anything personal, if it's attacking, it has any medical information, uh, any identifiable information, anything that seems problematic, you can have it removed. That is pretty easy to do within Google. It just has to uh, fall outside of their guidelines of what's an okay review. And you can easily find those online. Uh, we get that question a lot. Can you please remove these? And most of the time we can't. Because if it's person just griping, even if they were never a customer, which is frustrating as heck, I know it, uh, you really can't do anything about it. Uh, you just have to overwhelm those negative reviews, those fake negative reviews with positive ones, which is actually a big joy. You'll get a huge boost out of that. Uh, it's just amazing how many people will come to your help. You show them this, go, hey, to some of your, your best clients and go, look, this is happening. I really need some great reviews. Could you help me out? Wow. It feels so good to see those awesome reviews appear because they will. They'll come to your rescue. They will help. Might need to remind them a couple of times because they're busy, but they will do it. And uh, all of a sudden, those other negative reviews are really, and in, in some ways, they're a wake-up call, and it's a benefit in the end. So in summary, don't reply to a negative review by swearing at them and telling them that they're wrong. Right, right. Okay. We, I've we, seen done. We had a client that did that once. <laughs> I know. They're like, oh, don't do that. What are you doing? They're but, arguing. It's like they just lose their mind on there. It's like, no, 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 because you can't remove that. It's there. God yeah. for good. And it's not a good thing. Well, that was a good show. Lots there. Um, Scott and I are still putting together the notes for our learning series. We're really excited about that. And I think you're going to love it. I think it's going to be awesome, actually. It's going to be fun. But uh, 
you, you know, when we first decided to do it, I thought, oh, it's going to be an easy one. We can just put a couple point forms and talk. And as you start to dig in, it's like prepping for this is a lot of work. And I didn't expect that, but it's going to be well worth it. It's going to be great. It is going to be great. And it'll be show after show after show after show all about learning different components of SEO. And uh, we one of our mainstay pieces that we're going to have everyone check out when they're new to SEO 101. So tune in and uh, it, it's coming soon. Fingers crossed within the next two episodes. Okay. Well, on behalf of myself, Ross Dunn, CEO of Stepforth Web Marketing and my company, Senior SEO, Scott Fenack, thank you for joining us today. Remember, we have a show notes newsletter you can sign up for at seo101radio.com. Have a great week and remember to tune into future episodes, which air twice a month on WMR.fm. Awesome. Thank you for listening, everyone. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.